Girlfriends, episode number 286, A Saint for Our Times with Christine Wohar. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. This week, I have a special guest, Christine Wohar, who is going to be talking to me about her new book, All About Blessed Peer Giorgio Frassati, a fascinating story, a great saint for our times. Let's get started. Hello, girlfriend. How are you? Welcome to the show. Always glad to be able to connect with you here. So glad you showed up for another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. So this week, my special guest is author Christine Wohar, who wrote a whole book about blessed peer Giorgio Frassati, who truly is a saint for our times. It's really a fascinating story, and I can't wait to share that conversation with you. But by way of introduction, I wanted to ask you, have you ever had a saint kind of find you that kind of experience where perhaps a saint just keeps popping up? in different ways in your life. And um, you, you feel like maybe you're being called into a friendship with that particular saint. I think that the communion of saints is such a beautiful gift in our church. The fact that we have all these wonderful and inspiring stories from real people who have lived out God's will in these incredible ways in their lives. And in sometimes extremely ordinary ways and ways that are very accessible to us. And that the, the saints come from all walks of life, all different kinds of circumstances from all over the globe. You know, a couple of weeks ago when we shared that um, interview with Meg Hunter-Kilmer with her book, Saints Around the World, what a beautiful gift that book is in that it shows all the stories of different kinds of saints from all walks of life and all different kinds of experiences. And I really think that's one of the beautiful gifts in our church is that we can pray to the saints and ask them to pray for us. We can ask for their intercession. We can grow in friendship with people who lived thousands of years ago. That It's amazing, right? And they can help us on our journey as we're working our way through our lives and hoping to build up God's kingdom here on earth and make our way toward heaven. It's a beautiful gift that we have access to that. And so I just wanted to ask you, is there is there any particular saint that you found in that way? I A couple of episodes ago, I shared about the Surrender Novena. And since that time, I've been exploring a little bit more about the Servant of God, which is one of those stages of sainthood. Servant of God, Don Delindo Rutolo, who is the author of that Surrender Novena. He put it together based on words of Jesus that came to him during his times of prayer so that it's like a private revelation that he, these words came from Jesus and he put together this novena. And I shared with you that I've been working to pray that novena every day in an ongoing way and really make it a part of my life. And as such, I became very interested in this servant of God, Don Delindo, who lived long ago. He died two years before I was born, but I was kind of looking into his history, and I happened to find out through another podcast that I listened to, Adventures in Imperfect Living with Greg and Jennifer Willits. Many of you might be familiar with them. I've known Greg and Jennifer for a long time, and I consider them friends, and I really enjoy their podcast. And lo and behold, 
Greg and Jennifer have been praying this surrender novena and becoming interested in the life of Don Dolindo Rotolo. And they shared in their recent podcast about this topic that there's a book by Don Dolindo and it is about Mary. It's called A Month with Mary, Daily Meditations for a Profound Reform of Heart in the School of Mary. So I am excited because I just today purchased that book on Amazon and now I'm going to be waiting for it to arrive. And, you know, all of this is, it's just, it's so funny to me because, you know, a year ago I had no idea who this was. And yet now here I find him being a source of encouragement and support to me in this unique way in my own faith journey. And and hearing that Greg and Jennifer are experiencing some, something similar right now, it's it's really amazing to me. I, I love to to hear these things and I do not believe they're coincidence in any way, shape, or form. I I know that God has placed certain people in our lives, in you know, the real people you meet every day, of course. He places in your lives for a purpose. But then these heavenly helpers that we have in the saints. And, you know, today's topic focused on Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati is right along those lines where Sometimes there's a particular saint that you have a particular affinity for, or you can relate to them in a certain way, or something they write or shared really helps you with whatever you're going through right now. And I think that's really one of the beautiful gifts about our faith, that we have access to that, that we're not alone in this journey. So in today's conversation, in today's podcast, I want to encourage you to think about who are some of your heavenly helpers? It might be Don Delindo Rotolo, or it might not be, or it might be Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati, or it might be somebody else. Or maybe reflect on a saint that used to, you know, you used to have a, a close relationship with or or felt um, connected with in a certain way that maybe you've fallen away from that. Maybe this podcast can be a little nudge for you to reconnect with that saint. We all need help in this world, on our way, working our way toward heaven. We can't do it alone. And God has given us the gift of these saintly friendships that we can call on them to help us, to support us, to encourage us, and to guide us on our way toward heaven. So I want to encourage you to think about who are your heavenly helpers, and then let me know. Send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com. Connect with me on Vox or the link to connect with me. Send me a Vox is always in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. If you can't remember to always click over and get the show notes, and I know ascensionpress.com can, you know, there's a lot of stuff there, and sometimes people tell me they get lost in there when they're looking for the show notes. A simple way to make sure you're going to get the show notes is text the word girlfriends to 33777. That way you'll be automatically subscribed, signed up to get those show notes sent to your inbox every week. Bonus, you'll never miss an episode of the Girlfriends Podcast either. You get it sent right to your inbox and we're always going to be connected in that way. So think about doing that, sending the word girlfriends by text to 33777. If you're not in the US and you want to do that, just send me an email. That that number won't work if you're outside the US. But send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com, and I will make sure you get signed up to receive those show notes. All right, now it's time for our special guest. Here is my recent conversation with Christine Wohar. everybody. I'm excited to have someone joining me here today on the Girlfriends Podcast, who I have never met before. This is a new friend to me, but I am a big fan of the work that she is doing. Christine Wohar is here with me today. Christine is considered a world expert 
on a, as a speaker on the life and devotion of blessed peer Giorgio Frasati. She has been interviewed on several radio and television programs, podcasts, and for various print publications, and has given presentations to audiences of all ages and sizes in the U.S., Canada, Italy, and Austria. Christine Wohar founded Frasati USA in 2006. The nonprofit organization works to promote the spirituality of blessed peer Giorgio Frasati and to further his cause for canonization. Her new book, Out, newly released from so Sophia Institute Press is called Finding Frasati and Following His Path to Holiness. Christine Wohar, welcome to Girlfriends. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. It's a real treat. Yeah. So let's dive into this. I mean, I am not terribly familiar with Blessed Pierre Frasati, but I think everybody's heard of him. I, I think that maybe he gained popularity with um, St. John Paul II, but maybe you can just explain your introduction to the saint. How did you end up where you are now with this life that's devoted to this cause? Yeah. Um, the the way God works, you know, you sometimes you just have to get out of the way. I think that's really, <laughs> really what happened here because I came to Nashville to go to law school at Vanderbilt mm-hmm. and my, my master plan, you know how we have our master plan, right? right. Says mine was that I would do pro-life law. That was really what my motivation was in coming to law school. Mm-hmm. And my only pro-life case really was myself getting arrested at an abortion mill. Oh <laughs> my <me>. gosh. <laughs> I had to hire lawyers. <laughs> so, uh, that, that's not exactly how things panned out. Um, I did begin a career in law, but it, the, the very, within 12 hours of setting foot in Nashville, I met a priest who introduced me to Pierre Giorgio Frassati. And it's so really, I have to say that the thread that has woven through my entire time here in Nashville has been Pierre Giorgio Frassati. And so uh, that priest asked me to help start a young adult group. Mm-hmm. I was just starting law school and this all started all at the same time. So really a thread that has gone woven through a parallel in my life. And 15 years ago, I met Pierre Giorgio's niece in Rome. And she asked me to, um, she, she said she was looking for help and needed someone like me. And I kind of chuckled and gave her some advice on how to get um, help for mm-hmm. what she was looking for. But I came back to the U.S. and um, it was just one of those things where I really felt I was supposed to do this. And after a lot of conversations, took the leap. I mean, a real leap of faith. And I do say in the book in chapter one, when you take a leap of faith, you land in some incredible places. And that's what right. this is for me because, you know, it's, it's never anything. People think you're crazy. And sometimes you do yourself when you get involved, <laughs> um, especially when you have a law career. And um, when I left the law firm and I was about to be named a partner, they really didn't, that didn't go over well. Right. Um, would not be taking a partnership, but I had actually done that um, to go to work at a, uh, in a Catholic uh, college. Mm-hmm. And so it was almost like I was transitioning away from that legal profession. I'm still licensed as an attorney, but I mean, I don't practice, but it's almost like the the religious always say there's a call within a call. And Mm -hmm. so it was almost like I left the firm to do this work at a Catholic college. And then it became evident that this ministry was really, I guess, what the Lord was calling me to. So series of yeses, you know, when you do ministry or just living your life, sometimes I think here I am in Nashville, just an obscure American. How many people got to know the Frasati family all these years? And yet here I am, like, how yeah. did I become a world expert? And I parallel it to the practice of law because 
you become a specialist so quickly in your mm-hmm. field. And, and then at some point you stop and say, well, now I'm an expert in Pier Giorgio Frassati and um, <laughs> you, you can't diversify. Right. That. No, that's where you are. That's where you are. And, and But I love it. Yeah, I, you, go, I, you go or you go with it, lean into it, as they say. Yeah. And you certainly have done that. But so, you know, speaking of that expertise, share some of it with us now, because there may be people listening who've never heard of him or just have a vague idea who uh, Pierre Giorgio Frassati is. Well, Pierre Giorgio was, um, you can see him behind me if you're, yes. if you're watching this. He was a very good looking young Italian from Northern Italy. And his father was a very influential figure in Italy. He was um, the owner and publisher of the most important, uh, the morning paper in Italy, which was how people got their news then. Mm-hmm. And the youngest senator in the kingdom of Italy. And then he was appointed ambassador to Germany. So Pierre Giorgio throughout his life was exposed to great affluence and um, you know, they had a family chauffeur, a gardener, cooks, maids, butler, you know, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And um, his mother was a character. She was oh, she's always labeled as an, an artist. And she was she was a very good artist. And the family didn't have deep spirituality. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of times uh, people think that you become a saint because you had the most perfect family or whatever. But his right. parents had a very difficult marriage. They were on the verge of separation. In fact, at the time of his death, um, his father did not go to church. He's sometimes called an atheist in the books that are translated. But I would I prefer to just refer to him as a cradle Catholic who didn't go to church because that's really what the truth was. Mm-hmm. After Pierre Giorgio's death, he did return to the sacraments. Pierre mm-hmm. Giorgio was um, studying mining engineering and he never completed his degree prior to his death. So he died a couple of things short, a couple of exams short of his degree. Um, he had a love for the outdoors. You often see him on the mountains. Right. But uh, people think of him as a mountain climber only, but he was on the beach swimming, sailing, canoeing. He rode his bike long distances. He rode horses. I mean, pretty much anything you can do. He had a right. great humor, practical joker, big group of friends. And then I think the key is, at the foundation of Pierre Giorgio was his love for the Eucharist and the love for the Blessed Mother. So um, his love for the church and the faith underlined and gave life to all of his regular ordinary activities. Right, right. I, 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 and I don't know if you mentioned the time period, just so... Uh, he was born in 1901 and he died okay. in 1925. Right. So this is a fairly recent saint, you know, um, that's a saint in the making, right? He's blessed, um, blessed, right. right? Can you explain that process to people? Because I, th- I think people find that fascinating and not everybody knows exactly how that works. What are the stages as you're working towards sainthood? Uh, yeah. And fortunately for me, he was already blessed when I came into the picture. So um, <laughs> you can't take credit for that. <laughs> but uh, somebody becomes a servant of God. Uh, the church examines their life, and then eventually they will be declared venerable. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it requires, this is largely misunderstood, and Pope Francis has kind of made it a little even more confusing by canonizing uh, saints without miracles. But he uh, it's typically one miracle mm-hmm. for beatification, and then one miracle after beatification for canonization. That's where we are with Pierre Giorgio. We okay. have a video on the website of a, a story that uh, is a miraculous healing from a young adult uh, in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on the website um, and it's been aired several times. Um, and it's been reported to Rome, but that 
that's where things stand with the canonization process. Right. Okay. So that's very interesting. So what you've described is a, a, a holy and devout young man. What what makes that transition into, oh, wait, this is a saint, right? How, how do we see that in his life? Yeah, it's interesting. Pope John Paul II said that a superficial, at a, in the beatification homily, he says at mm-hmm. a superficial glance, there's nothing out of the ordinary. And you would say, you would say, well, why, why is this guy a saint? He was just right. an ordinary guy. In fact, his grades were mediocre at best. And, you know, he couldn't even finish his degree for crying out loud. Like, what <laughs> this point? Um, but I think it was uh, John Paul II says, but it's in that ordinariness of his life that we're called to imitate his virtue. In other words, he shows us that we can be holy in the normality of our lives because he sanctified everything that he did. So he was a 24 seven Catholic. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the thing that's gotten the attention perhaps of the church for his canonization process is his deep uh, living out of charity. So that's what cost him his life, his service to the poor. He contracted polio from one of these visits to the a hospital somewhere, maybe, or the poor streets of Turin. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just a life lived in grace. Pope John Paul called him the man of the Beatitudes. And I think he just, um, you know, through his life shows us that the ordinariness of life mm-hmm. is still a life where holiness is possible. So in the in the homily, uh, Pope John Paul said he, he testifies that holiness is possible for everyone. And we have that, um, I think, reflex to say, well, sanctity is for what I call the super saints, right? The ones that saw the Blessed Mother or had the stigmata or did these incredible things that we're never going to do. And so we can make an excuse and say, well, I'll never do that. I don't even have to bother to try. Mm -hmm. And what Pierre Giorgio uh, does is he says he was a lay person, an ordinary person who takes away all of your excuses to try. You can be holy. You can be Um, a practical joker and be holy. You cannot be good in school and your grades might be so-so and you can be holy. You can have Mm -hmm. a habit like he smoked a pipe or a cigar and and you can be holy. You Mm -hmm. can love the mountains and the the water and you can take nice vacations and and, hey, you can be holy. You can have, uh, he he fell in love uh, with a girl. He never pursued the relationship. Uh, We talk about that in the book, the real story there. Mm -hmm. But you can have a broken heart. And you can be holy. So I think that's the appeal of Pierre Giorgio is that for me, he takes away all of the excuses that you can always make. Right. He did it. And he wasn't living in a convent or a monastery or inside of a church sleeping on the floor. You know, he was living (laughs) life like we were at a time when the church was under attack. Socialism and fascism were coming into play in the government. Mm -hmm. War was raging. World War One during his lifetime. And yet in all of that, he was still, as they say, an explosion of joy, um, loved life, lived life and modeled for us, uh, you know, holiness as, as, yeah. as a normal, everyday, fun, attractive thing. Right. And and that's part of, the, I think, his appeal and why um, young people are especially devoted to Pierre Giorgio is that he he models that, right? He's, he's this attractive person. He's living in the world. He's doing fun things with friends and seems very normal. So the title of your book is Finding Frasati and Following His Path to Holiness. Can you describe just a little bit of the structure of it? Do you walk us through his life? How does that work? Some In some ways, uh, the problem that 
I think a lot of people had in finding Frasati is that there are very few books in English to begin with. And they are biographies that are uh, largely translations from books in Italian mm-hmm. or adaptations from an Italian book. And so this book tries to um, my I always credit my younger sister who's homeschooling. And she always says to me, I don't have time to read, you know, these long books. So to break it down into a shorter piece, something that anybody can do and learn a little bit about him. Mm-hmm. And in each section, each one of those reflections, there's prayer, a, a short prayer, and then a basic, simple action step. So to go from learning about him and how he lived his spirituality in a small nugget, you know, and then go to a little prayer um, and then a way to put that into action. Because Pietro Giorgio uh, believed in the apostolate of persuasion, that we should go among our friends and show them that following the ways of path, uh, of God, you know, that that path, although there might be thorns, it's a path of great joy. So mm-hmm. to get to know him and to see how he did it and then to put that into your own action is really the the way that this book is structured and the hope that I have. People will find Frasati and find a way, a, a little bit of a challenge, like he challenges me. Mm-hmm. Go to the Mass more, go to the sacraments more, think about your fellow man more, enjoy nature more, love your family more, and 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 the simple ways to take that and put that into action. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love all those little nudges, which feel very doable, right? Just and um, right. I, I like that he can he can be the saint of practicing holiness in ordinary ways like that. So, who is he the patron saint of? You know, we've got we've got like young people. I think, or how does that work? How do we decide who he's going to be the patron saint of, or what he's going to be the patron saint of as we're working toward canonization here? Yeah, I'm one of those people that always is googling the patron saint of this or that. <laughs> Uh, but I have I have learned that um, there's a formal designation for Pietro Giorgio, which is the patron saint of, wait for it, Italian confraternities. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so that that I that is I think the official thing, and I think that's because he's blessed and not not can't let a saint canonize mm-hmm. saint. Um, and so. Unofficially, however, he's the patron of young people. John Paul II often uh, would declare him the patron of World Youth Days. The United States Bishop Conference has named five patrons for youth and young adult ministry in this country and all of our World Youth Days, and he's one of them. There are schools and churches named for him, which is very unusual for um, someone at the beatification stage because normally those things are reserved for saints. Even so mm-hmm. many young adult, uh, young people, teenagers take him as a confirmation name. And I've actually had, a, I had a, a priest call me to say, my niece, my niece wants to take Frasati as her oh. confirmation name. And the bishop said he has, you know, like, so he's, he's, um, we like to say he's been canonized by the people and waiting for the official thing. And in the meantime, he's kind of become the patron saint of, stu- you know, all of these things, students, young people. Right and World Youth Days and so on. Right, right. I think that's a very natural part of the process, right? The people who are kind of flocking toward him or attracted toward him. Um, so as you're going around and, and speaking and trying to further this cause of canonization, what, what are some of the stories you're hearing from people? Have you ever been touched by something somebody shared about a way that their life was changed by Blessed Pierre Frasati? Um, Pierre Giorgio, his chapter two is never call him Pierre. I, this, okay. is, this, is an, this is an American thing and it's an in, innocent mistake because his middle name is Michelangelo. Oh my goodness. We can't add that to this mix. <laughs> yeah. So when you see his name though, you, it's automatic. You assume that Giorgio was his middle name. It's actually a, whenever he shortened his name, they would call him Giorgio. Never, never the Pierre part, but okay. I actually had, um, 
I have to say that because the family makes me. She always says, please tell them, never Pierre. Um, anyway, uh, I actually had not too long ago, a woman knocked my, at my office door here who believes that she's alive today because of the intercession of Pierre Giorgio. And it's an, it's an incredible story. And I've heard of several miracles, but I've, yeah, I've been moved by a lot of things. Uh, one of the nice things about my position here at the ministry is we have a section on the website to report favors received through his intercession. Mm-hmm. People report little things like I passed my driver's license test when I thought it was <laughs> hopeless, you know, little things mm-hmm. to things like um, incredible physical cures and great conversions. I know um, someone had written to me about their son in, was in prison and actually received a letter from a young teenager in juvenile. Uh, he was in prison he would have to be in prison, I guess, until he turned 18. And then I don't know what would happen. But a deacon who came into the prison brought him a prayer card of Pierre Giorgio. And it so touched his life. He wrote to me. I sent him a poster and he had it on the wall in his in his prison cell. Oh, that's great. Transformation to show somebody who has been already cast as, you know, uh, somebody who is not going to ever be able to have a chance in life. Right. To, to see in themselves that, you can be holy. Uh, you can, it, there, there's no, I always like to say, and some people tease me that the story's never over. Um, your story is never finished right until the day we die. We can never rest on our laurels and think that we're all, you know, rolling right into the steam, steaming head into heaven. Right. Um, right. Or that our, if we're on a bad path, that it's, it can't be corrected. And so I think to see the transformation that he's made, the impact that he's made in so many people's lives who, saw themselves as outside of the church and maybe lost causes mm-hmm. in addition to the incredible physical healings. It's all just, it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That, that must be really encouraging to be able to see those stories every day. So you've mentioned the website a couple of times. Uh, can you tell us the URL so people can go and check it out there? Right. It's frasadiusa.org. You just have to learn how to spell frasadi. Yeah, two S's, people. <laughs> two S's, one T. <laughs> exactly. The, the hardest thing about this is the name. I'm like, I couldn't have Blessed John Smith, right? It's No. It's Pier Giorgio Michelangelo Frasati. <laughs> a great name, though. Um, but as you're receiving these stories of, of intercession, um, how what does that process look like? Is there a separate, like, official cause for his canonization, or are you that? How does all of that work? No, right. The Congregation for the Causes of the Saints appoints a postulator. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing with Pier Giorgio and why I've learned and think that we have so few. Uh, lay saints is because the process is so lengthy. So for instance, um, we just saw the beatification of Michael McGivney, the Knights of Columbus Mm -hmm. uh, founder. And uh, oftentimes when the church announces saints, you'll see that they were from hundreds of years ago. Well, Mm -hmm. when you're a lay person like Pierre Giorgio, who does that? The family. Pierre Giorgio's uh, sister, who I met just before she turned 104. Wow one who was working on his cause, right? And she died at the age of 105 and has six children. The One of them just passed away in January, but up until January, they were all alive. And one of her nieces, her daughters in particular, Pierre Giorgio's niece, who mm-hmm. is almost 94. Wow. So what happens when that generation passes away? Right. Who, who's gone? Because the church doesn't automatically come in and say, well, we'll start doing it. Mm-hmm. So it has to be um, a process that the family continues. And so the church does appoint a postulator, 
um, the postulators in Rome. And basically you submit the reports of miracles to the postulator and they have their official responsibility to go into the diocese and open the cause and do the examination investigation. I'm, I'm just kind of like somebody that it goes through. But the real concern in a case like this of someone like Frasati is if the family um, is not able to or doesn't have the means or the interest, then that then that's why they just um, kind of fade away. Right. You know? Right. That's an interesting thing to note. And what would you say um, about the value of of this process? You know, someone might be listening and they'd be like, well, so, you know, maybe he won't get made an official saint. He still lived his holy life. He's still with God. Right. Like, what, what do you think is the the value of it? Like, why should we be actively trying to make saints? Um, well, it's a good question. I think, in fact, I was sitting on the piazza in Rome one, one time when there was a mass going on and there were Americans behind me. And we started to talk because we spoke English. Right. <laughs> they wanted to know what Pierre Giorgio did. And I think at the minute that I said, like, he doesn't cure cancer, you know, you think of St. Peregrine for cancer or different ones for different things. Mm-hmm. It was almost like she turned off that conversation, didn't want to get into the discussion more. Um, and I and I see him really as a saint of conversion and friendship right now at a time when people are committing suicide in large numbers. Mm-hmm. We have thousands of social media friends and no real close friends to go and have a conversation with. And I, mm-hmm. I love him to be the patron of friendship. But unfortunately, being a saint of friendship and conversion won't get you canonized because it always comes down to a physical miracle. And yet I see the value in that process because how else can you have a quantitative way to establish that something has happened. Um, And aside from the, you know, the discussion over the way the process goes, I just think that the church needs these examples. We, for some reason, think like, what, Jesus stopped doing miracles 2000 years ago, you know? Right. The saints and especially the modern saints remind us when we need reminded that, you know, the church is alive and well, and miracles are happening all of the time. This woman that I said came to my door, she was not going to not practicing her faith, a fallen away Catholic and almost felt like, how could I receive a miracle like this? Right. Uh, Kevin Becker, the young man from New York, whose story we have on the website, uh, his healing, he, he likes to say when he speaks, if God could do this for me, think of what he could do for you. And that's where the process is so valuable, right? To remind us, God loves you. He wants to do things for you. Miracles happen every day. They haven't ended. You know, when the Bible was written and closed, revelations, that was it. No more, you know, God is out there and he's doing things for us. And we have to avail ourselves of the grace, the the image of divine mercy where the graces are there. and, And these graces are being poured out and we're not there to receive them. Right. And, I, and I think that's where the, the saints alive, especially the, current, the, the younger modern saints, uh, remind us the graces are there. And it challenges us then to say, I can receive those graces. That requires some response on my part to try to live my Catholic faith. Yeah, I think that is so valuable. Such an important saint for the world today, young people today, but not just young people. I mean, I need this fresh voice, this fresh message of the sanctity of everyday life and that we're all called to be saints. I think that's so encouraging. So I'm so encouraged by the contents of this book and by the example of uh, Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frasati. I think I got all the names in there. Um, Yeah, Um, but you know, we're running out of time here, Christine, but I do want us to maybe, maybe finish out this conversation with a prayer because what 
you know, whether he has the ST before his name officially or not, we can pray to him for his intercession. And that's part of the process. Um, but I'd love for you to just show us what that would look like and kind of lead us in a, a prayer to, to Blessed Pierre. Giorgio Frasati. Very good. <laughs> you're, you're a fast learner. <laughs> um, and I, I want to say on the website, there is a novena, a beautiful novena in honor that you can download and pray, which I find very powerful. And the blesseds, I know a priest who, when people came to him for a blessing, he always used relics of the blesseds because he thought, well, they need that miracle. So Right, they're needy. They're <laughs> the ones who have been already canonized and overloaded just for selfish reasons, pray to the blessings. <laughs> we'll pray the, um, what we call the canonization prayer, the prayer that we ask the Lord to, if he finds it worthy to uh, make Pierre Giorgio a saint. Great. Um, so we'll pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O merciful God, who through the perils of the world deign to preserve by your grace, your servant, Pier Giorgio Frasati, pure of heart and ardent of charity. Listen, we ask you to our prayers. And if it is in your designs that he be glorified by the church, Show us your will, granting us the graces we ask of you through his intercession, by the merits of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Blessed Pier Giorgio, pray for us. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. That was beautiful. Thank you so much, Christine. So folks, my guest today has been Christine Wohar. Christine is the author of the newly released book from Sophia Institute Press called Finding Frasati and Following His Path to Holiness. Go to the show notes at ascensionpress.com to get all the links you need to find out more. Check out the website and make this saint part of your circle of friends in heaven. Christine, thank you so much for joining us here on Girlfriends today. It's been a real joy talking with you. Thanks. Same here. I really appreciate it. When you're a busy mom, it can seem like God comes in second place to everything else. As Catholics, we know that God should be at the center of our lives. We know we should be planning around him instead of trying to plan him around our schedules. But it's so hard when you're juggling all the logistics. Back for a third year to help mothers put God at the center is a Catholic mother's planner, a planner designed by Catholic mothers for Catholic mothers to help you and your family live with God at the center of your schedule. To help you do this, the planner includes inspirational quotes from saints and scripture, novena start dates, saints feast days, family recipes, activities to celebrate feast days, and so much more. The Catholic Mother's Planner has sold out within months every year, so be sure to order yours today. To reserve your copy of the 2022 Catholic Mother's Planner, go to ascensionpress.com slash plan around God. That's ascensionpress.com slash plan around God. Welcome back. Well, now we're at the point in the show where I like to share listener feedback or a listener question. And um, this week, I have a question from Kelsey, who says, Hi, Danielle, I'm a wife and a mother to two beautiful daughters. I was a Catholic school teacher up until I had our second daughter, and then I felt called to be home with my children. It's been a little more than a year that I have not worked, and my husband has said he'd like for me to have a part-time job. We're hoping to be blessed with more children, so I'm not keen on working full-time again, but I do want to respect my husband and do something part-time. I've been praying about finding a hobby that would potentially bring some sort of income in. My sister and her husband recently commented that I don't seem to have any hobbies or things that I do, quote unquote, for myself. I've realized that they're right. 
That realization, along with my husband wanting me to work, has caused me to discern what my calling apart from motherhood is. I do enjoy writing and would like to see if I can do something like this. I'm curious how you got your start. You're very relatable, and I love your books and listening to the podcast. Do you have any advice on how to discern something like this? So Kelsey, I appreciate your question. And this is something I do hear from people a lot that are interested in getting started with writing. They're not sure where to start. And I know I can remember when I was there and I wasn't sure where to even begin or what God might be calling me to do through my writing, through my work outside of motherhood. And I I completely get that kind of feeling like I don't even know where to begin. So I just want to offer you a couple of words of encouragement. First of all, pray about it. It sounds like you are doing that. Um, And I'm giving this advice not just to Kelsey, but anybody else who might be in that kind of situation, wondering where to get started perhaps with writing. So I would encourage you to pray about it, bring it to prayer and ask God where he's calling you to use that gift and where you're inspired. What kind of writing do you enjoy doing? What kind of writing do you enjoy reading? Where do you connect with that that gift of writing. And that can be a really good indicator for where you might like to, to go with the work that you do. When I first started writing, I realized I just loved reading, like reflective essays, especially about motherhood, about parenting. And um, that was the, so that very much felt like where I was drawn toward. And so if you think about the kind of writing that you enjoy reading, then maybe you're called to do something along those lines. And then I would say, just get started. There's no harm in just diving right in. Sometimes we feel like we have to have everything in place and have the perfect plan before we just get started. But writing is very much the kind of thing that you can just sit down and do, like open up your laptop if you have 30 minutes of free time or even writing down on scrap paper. That's how I used to put together columns in my early days as a writer when I had a regular column at National Catholic Register. I would just jot down ideas throughout my day and I would have like this mess on this little scrap of paper on my kitchen counter. And then in the evening when I had a little bit more time or or some devoted time to spend writing, I'd pick up my little scraps and kind of piece it together. God can work with that. You know, start where you are, just get started, dive in. And you might start doing a certain kind of writing and realize this is not for me or I this isn't something that's really needed. I'm not going to be able to, you know, market this in any way. Or so you might be pulled in a different direction based on experiences like that. But the way to find that out is to just get started. Just do it. And don't, don't, you know, feel like you have to have everything in place before you begin. And um, then I would say with regard to writing for pay for work, um, you know have some patience with the process. It sounds like maybe you're in a situation where you can afford to do that. When I started, my husband, Dan, was working full time and um, we were on a very small budget. And yeah, the extra money would have been nice, but it wasn't absolutely necessary. And so I did kind of have that luxury of like, I didn't have to pay a certain bill with the amount of money I was going to make writing. So I was able to be patient with the process. And really freelance writing, especially getting a start in it does require some patience with the process. You're going to have some misses, you're going to have, um, you know, some some gaps sometimes when you're feeling frustrated or discouraged or feeling like you're in a dead end or you know, all of that's part of the process. And it takes time. It takes time to kind of build your skills. It takes time to build your connections and begin to find a home for the kind of writing that you want to do. So have patience with that process if you're, if, and it sounds like you're in a situation where you can kind of ease into it. Um, and just, you know, have patience with that. And just, you know, trying something and then having patience when if it doesn't work out, or if you don't get immediate results, 
that's part of it. Just know that that is part of it. And then finally, I would want to encourage you that if you are eager to kind of get a start in working for writing for pay in any way, you might want to think about expanding the kinds of skills you want to offer. Yes, you want to write, and that's a great goal to have. And you you can certainly find places that will pay you to write. But it's much easier to find people who are going to pay you to do things like copy editing or proofreading or those kinds of editorial skills are always in need. I can tell you as a previous magazine publisher, always I was looking for people that had good skills in those areas. And that was a great way to get to know somebody on a personal level, on a professional level. And those can be a really a really great way to kind of get your foot in the door with a certain publication. If you're looking at a certain magazine or a newspaper or a website that you might like to have publish your work, you can begin there and you know offer your copy editing or proofreading skills. And that can be a way to get started and also be working on your writing and your connections in that regard as well. So those are just some quick tips that come to mind immediately. But anybody who's in that position, you know, I just, I can completely relate to you. And um, I, I'm going to be praying for for you, Kelsey, to find the right fit for what you want to be doing with your gifts and the kind of work that God might be calling you to do on a part-time way that might also be a blessing to your family. And, you know, that combination looks different for everybody. So I don't know what, what God's plan is for you, Kelsey, or anybody else who's kind of navigating that and figuring out what God might be calling you to do for work or what kind of balance between inside your homework and outside your homework homework. Um, that's going to look different for everybody, but know that I'm going to be praying for you through that process. And you too, listening, if you are in need of prayer, if you have a question for me, if you want to reach out to me and share your experience of getting started writing or how you figured out, discerned what God might be calling you to, what kind of work-life balance makes sense for you and your family and your marriage, I'd love to hear from you and be able to share some of your encouragement, your experience, your wisdom on a future episode of Girlfriends. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. You can connect with me on Instagram. I'm Danielle Bean there. I always love connecting with listeners there as well. For now, I want to thank you for being a part of the Girlfriends Podcast. It means so much to me that you show up here and you spend a little bit of time with me each week. I do not take that for granted. It is a gift and it is a privilege and I'm so grateful for it. If you enjoy the Girlfriends Podcast, I want to ask you, can you do me a favor and just share it a little bit? Maybe send a link to a friend. Maybe post a link on social media. Maybe call somebody and let them know about a recent episode that you think might be helpful to them. Or alternatively, you can leave a review at iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are vitally important as we work to grow our community of listeners here at Girlfriends. Thank you so much for considering doing that. And that's all we have time for today, but I want to thank you for being here. Thanks always for being a part of our community of girlfriends. It means so much to me that you're here. Until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 